0: When I got this calling to write it, and when I first, I thought it was so funny because I don't even write Christmas cards. I don't. <laughs> so for me, writing was not my favorite venue, but I couldn't reach people one on one on one through the years fast enough. This was a good way to reach more than one at a time.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Interesting People podcast. I'm joined by Suzanne Seymour, the author of My Secrets from Heaven, A Child's Trip to Heaven and Back, the story of the longest documented child near-death experience. Nailed it. Yes, you did. <laughs> so how are you doing today?
0: Very good, Patrick. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. So you have a very interesting story behind your book, both in the trip that it took to write the book and the original experience itself. What happened? For people that aren't familiar with your story, what happened?
0: Well, I was 12 years old. It took my family... A lot to be together. They were immigrants, they came, everybody finally united in the good old US of A, and we had built a ski chalet. It was a snowy day, and we were going for a walk and a hike, and we were going to go skiing. And it turned into the most horrific accident, and I was presumed dead for 45 minutes. I was left alone before anyone found me. And during that time, I had an experience that has really brought me through the most difficult times in my life. My mother and everyone was very upset by it and they asked me not to share with the public. So I honored that until she passed away in 2010.
1: Were you buried in the snow? How can they not find you?
0: I had a long scarf on and this is about instincts too. I had an instinct as a child not to want to wear this scarf on that day. But my mother insisted I was hung by my scarf on a toe lift rope the oh, no. entire length of a ski hill that was not operated by anyone in the booth at the end. So my last thoughts were, will I be decapitated? Will I be crushed in the gears? Or will I be flat out hung? It was a blizzard and they couldn't get to the top of the hill any faster and there was no help. It was in the 70s. Didn't have cell phones. We didn't even have 911. So my dad actually physically had to run to a neighbor's house through unplowed roads and hope someone was home and have them shovel out their driveway and bring their car to get me.
1: My goodness. So it
0: was a long time. And they thought I was dead, so they didn't want to see me. My grandmother begged my mother and everyone else not to because they thought it was going to be too horrific.
1: So the 45-minute experience, is that a big part of the book? Because I know that's kind of the catalyst for your life, right? How much do you dive into that in the book?
0: The 45-minute experience was very difficult to write. I many times wasn't going to because to relive that part is the reason I put it in a book because it's very difficult to explain in words over and over. So I really, I really meditated, prayed upon it and, and made sure I was isolated so that the words were authentic to when I was a child. So the perspective is from a child's lens of life and the afterlife. I really tapped into just being honest exactly how I saw it. I was In a place, in a realm that I call heaven, and it was the most beautiful place. Beautiful in the sense of there was no judgment, there was the greatest love I've ever experienced in the sense of just filled you up, and it's carried me through the rest of my life. Time was just so different there. It was visually just beautiful colors, and everything had a connection of emotion and intellect. So you understood without using words. And the communication, I think, was so fulfilling because it was almost telepathic. So you could learn and experience things that normally take us so long to communicate.
1: It's a place of communication without hesitation.
0: Which is so loving. And there's so much understanding, which is why it leads me to believe, you know, love and understanding here is what we strive to do with boundaries and all different kinds of techniques.
1: Did you feel safe while you were there? Because you went from a moment of extreme terror.
0: Extreme terror to a safe feeling that was so beautifully safe, I didn't really want to return. I don't think many would.
1: Returning from there, was it a immediate shock or was it something where you were coming out of a haze or... <gasps>
0: Well, How when, disorienting was when it? I was a child, I was greeted and I was carried to this realm by beings that are in the book and beings that we all know and love. And I was returned and I was given information. There's nothing scary about it. And I just felt like I was with family and I was with loved ones. And I think that's what brings comfort to people that have lost someone. Love never ends and it carries over. And I believe that we're not all here and connected together just to be ripped and torn apart in death heaven was love. And love is a word that we throw around, but its it really is. The Beatles had it right when they said like, <laughs> love need. is all you need. So,
1: What's the main thing you want people to get from the book?
0: I shared it just knowing that people will find their way to it, but I mostly want people to know how important they are how important their stories are. People say, what's so special about me? If you start by just looking at something you might have went through that you can help share with someone else, whether it's a loss or how to achieve something or the smallest and the greatest little acts of kindness, just add to the pool of shining more light in the world. They're amazing. I mean, I love hearing other people's stories.
1: The book came out in August of last year. Right, It's on Amazon. People can find it. As you've been taking the book around, have you had anyone open up to you with a really interesting story?
0: Patrick, I get letters from all over the country, pages they write me. And I've read many books and I've never felt inspired to write an author a personal letter. And people feel like they know me because through my story, they feel like I've grown up with you, I can relate to you. And it's so many age groups and it's men and it's women, men who are firemen. There's just so many different people that have opened up and shared their stories and it's just amazing. A lot of people writing books now. Some people have changed careers. I've had people who've lost children, who have lost family members, who write me that it's brought them to a different level of comfort. I mean, nothing is a magic pill of healing. So if we all just throw something into the collective pot of goodness, it helps each other. It's a catalyst. For it's a catalyst change. for positive change. I love that. You connect where you need to connect for what you need in your life. Children have approached me, a couple of kids who've like lost a hamster and they're like, Where did my hamster go? Oh no. <laughs> and so they want the book or you know, and then there's really tragic stories. And then I I had someone who was actually in a coma and him and his family approached me so that he could actually feel comfortable enough to share what he experienced without feeling vulnerable and afraid of judgment.
1: I think one of the big tragedies and one of the reasons of what we live in now is people are so afraid to share how they feel inside or they're hurt. You can't heal unless you know of that kind of stuff.
0: Very true. And when we show just the slightest bit of vulnerability, in an appropriate, you know, way. Of course, you know, you don't want to go to your job and yeah. and start.
1: You don't want to have a good you, cry you over you by the coffee machine. A,
0: right, you don't want a good cry. <laughs> exactly. So, so I think for me, you know, some people are watch a movie and they can identify, or if you if you have something you can do privately in your home, which is again why I put it in a book form. We need each other, and we need a smile every now and then, because there is no one who gets through this life without a lot of knocks and. It doesn't hurt to just give away one or two smiles or one or two compliments.
1: One of the things I really think is interesting about your life, I was looking at it, is this book is just one of the several outlets you've had. You're a nurse, right?
0: The experience led me to be a nurse. I just had to help people. I had a strong desire to help people and I just couldn't shake from my experience the fact that we're all connected. Everyone is special. There's so much beauty in each person, gifts, talents, and we spend so much time criticizing ourselves and others. If we just stop and look at one day of what you do in a day, that's good. It's a whole different day. And I really was just drawn to help and share now because I feel like our true stories and our greatest pain sometimes has something in it to help someone else.
1: The accident happened in Pennsylvania. And we've talked about a lot of places. Are you local now?
0: Yeah, I live in Thurmont.
1: Oh, there we go. The bustling metropolis. bustling—that <laughs> That is what it is referred to here at WFRE. That's fantastic. How long have you been in Thurmont?
0: Four or five years now.
1: How much of the book did you write in Thurmont?
0: That's right, because I moved and I remember coming here and thinking, oh, I've got to finish this. Should I, shouldn't I? And I just always went back to it.
1: So here's something as someone who has not written a book, you literally have a copy of a book you wrote with you right now. How great is that to look at a book you've written?
0: Oh, it's a sense of relief. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I finished. It's such a labor of, of love. and It is such a labor of dedication. I mean, for me, anyway, there are people who write to write, and it's an art form for them. And I'd say the best art form you can get from my story is it's like I'm coming to your house and sharing with you right in your living room.
1: So I had never heard of the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Ah! <laughs> So you're involved. With it. How did you get involved with them? How did well, you find out about them?
0: IONS, yes. It is it is interesting.
1: Oh, is that is it shortened to, what did you say? Yeah, ions? it's called
0: IONS. I-A-N-D-S. It hmm. is an organization that deals with near-death studies, and people can submit their stories to this organization, and then medical doctors study them.
1: So yeah. I got to clarify something oh, yeah. for me, because <laughs> okay. when I was doing my research, it said you were involved in Women of the World. Yeah. That name is so ubiquitous, I found that there's a folk group that's titled that that's probably, you're not. Probably part of a folk group.
0: No, I was really honored when I first, okay, so I finished writing my story and I had a major heart attack and I went for open heart surgery at 52, which was, you know, I never was sick a day in my life. Right after you talk about doors opening, I was invited by the president of the University of Notre Dame, Maryland. They had an international group of women come that day called Women of the World. It's an international organization and they usually have topics from speakers from all around the world about women's issues. It's an amazing group. That particular day happened to have, again, you wonder about coincidences, (laughs) happened to have four or five film producers that were women. And they all grabbed a copy of my book and thanked me for my story. And they said they absolutely love true stories and the bravery around them. And I got to meet some really great women. One woman lived in India. And how many times do we really know what real life in India is like? And she shared the true story of what it was like to grow up in her village. And it really gives you insights to what people go through.
1: You did a segue for me here. My last note is a movie deal, question mark? Oh, that is oh. mentioned. So are, is this actually being optioned? What process are you in with that?
0: I really don't want to jump the gun on it, but yes, I would love to see this become a film and I am collaborating to work on that. And the reason for that is however it can reach people, whoever's interested, it will find you, you will find it, find each other. So yes, it is in the works and knock on wood, it will do a lot of good. It'll share some light in the world. Stories are a great way to start. Mm -hmm. They're very human.
1: Well, everyone has a story. Conversations are like little easy ways that you can help people.
0: There's no measurement like one act of kindness is greater than another act of kindness. Everything matters as long as it's something. You you wonder, what can I do today? And it shouldn't be a chore. It should be an absolute joy. It should be the fun of your day. I love to compliment my cashiers (laughs) at the grocery store because I know they get a million complaints all day long.
1: Among a sea of, like, Uh, this can is dented. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's
1: good to get a compliment. I love complimenting random hats I see on the street. If I see someone that is, like, wearing a hat I've never seen before, i was like, that is a great Great hat. hat. (laughs) It's a wonderful.
0: That's exactly it. It's just, like, you can brand yourself and be the complimenter of random hats and have fun with it really have fun with life and it's about just having a good life, making life better.
1: It's got to be kind of a fun experience because writing a book is well, since I've not written a book, but I imagine it's a very solitary experience. You're sitting, you're very. writing, you're writing, writing but the after effect of that is you meet a whole bunch of people and you get all these stories. Yeah. Did you imagine that you were going to get such a big response or get such a social response to a very solitary activity when you're writing it?
0: Oh, Patrick, when I have got this calling to write it and when I first, I thought it was so funny because I don't even write Christmas cards. I don't <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I don't write birthday cards. I pick them out, though, and I buy them, but I don't send them. So for me, writing was not... My favorite venue, but I couldn't reach people one on one on one through the years fast enough, and mm-hmm. I felt like this was a good way to reach more than one at a time. I didn't expect any of it. I thought I'm going to write it, I'm going to put it on Amazon, and go about my life, and I can be quiet and private. <laughs> but but I find I really do try to be there and be real and available if that helps. Whatever helps, you know. I can stay quiet at home or be out in public. Whatever helps.
1: Well, I am. End- every single one of my interviews and conversations with the exact same question. What has you excited? What are you looking forward to this year?
0: Oh, me? Looking forward to this year?
1: It could be little, it could be small. What's your excitement?
0: Oh, gosh, I'm excited about everything, Patrick. That's a huge question. I'm excited by everything. I stay in the moment. That's my practice because otherwise I'm excited about everything. If I see a cruise, I'm like, oh, look at that. And I just want to do everything, be everywhere. I want three lifetimes. I absolutely love life. (laughs) So I try to stay in the moment. And that excites me when I just really can appreciate, wow, my son stopped over for lunch today and we're going to have a bowl of soup together. To me, then that moment is everything. So I just try to stay in every moment and make it the most amazing moment ever. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for having me, Patrick. It was great.